Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Goshen Baptist Church. It's great to see all of your smiling faces, and it's great to see the sun today. Uh, this morning, as I was driving on Highway 3 coming this way, it was absolutely gorgeous with the frost and the way God had coated everything beautifully and the sun shining across the field. It was just breathtaking. I don't know if any of you were up that early. If you were, I'm sorry to hear it. Um, but uh, no, it was gorgeous. And so uh, such a nice treat for this time of year. Let's open our service in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the blessing of the sunshine today for the beauty that you surround us with. And we thank you, Father, for the warmth of fellowship in this place, uh, for this family of faith that is gathered here. Father, we ask that you would bless our time together and that you would speak to us through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. The call to worship this morning is a response to reading of Psalm 34, verses 1 to 3 and verse 8. You'll read the part in yellow. I will extol the Lord at all times. I will glory in the Lord. Glorify the Lord with me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. First hymn this morning is I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, number 602 in your hymnal. start off our time of announcements today to let you know that there are a couple of copies of CBOQ's annual impact report that will be at the back. There's uh, one that's there and I'll have this other one back there in a little bit. Um, I would encourage you to either read this online at uh, baptist.ca or pick up a copy and take it, borrow it, and then uh, return it so somebody else can read it. And um, it has just what the CBOQ is up to and what they're doing, sometimes people want to know. Our organization is the Canadian Baptist of Ontario and Quebec, and that's the CBOQ. And so this gives you a little overview of what's happening in here. And I think it's very important that you should take a good look through it. And nine. not just because I'm on page nine, either. <laughs> as part of your CBOQ board. Uh, this is uh, the, the, the BG picture of me, the before glasses. Um, so. Uh, you may not recognize me. Um, the, uh, 
there's a bunch of people that I really appreciate and work with on the board. Uh, my friend Dave McCleary, he's in here as well on the board, and I'll have the pleasure of seeing him Thursday night after I drop off some kids at CBOQ when I'm going into Toronto. But um, yeah, if you want to know more about the CBOQ, here's a, a nice little way to see some little articles and read and hear what they're all about. Um, so that is for you. For Bible study this week, we're going to be looking at Adam and Eve. We're going to go through Genesis chapters 2 and 3 as we're studying questions of the beginning, creation to Babel. And uh, so uh, 10.30 in the morning on Wednesday, if you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you there. Also, starting on February 14th, we'll have our Lenten series again that we'll be running. And this is hosted by the Tilsonburg Christian Ministerial Association. And um, the, the theme this year is When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. All of the services will be starting at 12 noon. And um, unfortunately, this year, just due to the realities that we're in, some of the churches were not able to provide lunches. So there will not be lunches as part of the, uh, the, the time together. But um, if, you haven't, if you're not familiar with this, what we do is to show unity. We have different churches that are hosting, and then they have a not their own pastor, but a different pastor that will be speaking. Uh, you may see a familiar face on the screen. Really, it's, it's really not all about me. It's just I like to make it sound like it's all about me. Um, but uh, anyways, I'm uh, going to be speaking at First Baptist. Uh, that will be the day that I'm speaking. There are two other speakers that we know already. They're not really mystery guests. Um, they just didn't send me their pictures, so I didn't have them to add them there. So we'll have six speakers at the six churches running from February 14th to March 20th. And so if you're available, I highly recommend you come out and join us. It's to help us prepare our hearts for Easter. Coming up on February 15th at 7 p.m., we have our board meeting. And please also make plans to join us for the annual meeting on March 10th after church. Are there any other announcements that I've missed or anyone would like to add? Alrighty. Well, we remember the importance of giving to the ongoing work of building the kingdom of God. And we can give through the plates at the back of the church or through e-transfer as well. And uh, let's take a moment and thank God for these gifts. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you have called us to give and you have blessed us to give. So, Father, take our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings and multiply them. Father, help us to be good stewards of all that you've given us. Help us to be cheerful and generous givers. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Next hymn this morning is number 656, Take Time to Be Holy.
Thank you. Please be seated. As we come to our time of praying together, we give an opportunity for us to be able to share with one another as a family of faith about what's been going on in our week that's been or the week that's coming up. Also to just uh, share with each other if there's any praise items or prayer concerns. I'm not sure which this one is, but I want to start off with the fact that Joyce asked me about dancing in church today, so I'm sure that falls into one of those categories, but just the sunshine today, right? It's so great. Yeah. Sorry, Joyce, I couldn't resist. <laughs> awesome. You guys are quiet today. We could uh, say a prayer for my dad. Yeah. He had a spot removed from his face this okay. week. So they're sending it away to see whether it's melanoma or not. Okay. Uh, we will be praying for Doug. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Please, Sandra. Oh gosh, yeah. That's sort of how you phrased it, actually. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yes. Yes, indeed. Now Wilson was giving me an update as well. He has high blood pressure right now. I did tease Joan if it was her fault, um, <laughs> but uh, she claims that it's not. She claims she's been going easy on him, and uh, so uh, this, they knew something was amiss, so they went to the cardiologist, and uh, he will have to have some uh, scope done so to check things out, so we'll have to, uh, we want to be praying for Wilson. He was uh, set to get some cataract surgery done, but that's going to have to be delayed until this other uh, higher priority item is taken care of. And uh, just a little update on Fred. I asked how he was doing today, and he told me terrible. So, um, But uh, he did say it with a laugh, so that's good at least. But uh, quite a sore throat as part of the side effect of the radiation he's been having as well. And uh, so, yeah. What else have you been up to? Raymond and Serena? Yep. <laughs> nice. Good, good. Wonderful. Pray for their safe travels, too. Are you managing to find food? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Awesome. Joan, please. Praise item the groundhog didn't see a shadow. I was chatting with some people from the Tilsonburg Resource Network, and they said in this area there's llamas, apparently, that also predict spring now. Um, Fort Stanley or somewhere there? Yeah, I said, what happens if they, like, disagree? And they told me they get into a spitting contest. <laughs> uh, amazing. So funny. Yeah, so good. And so, how do you predict with a lobster? Do you use hot butter or? She wasn't moving at all. That's right, Phil. Right? It's like uh, in the movie Groundhog Day. I predict March twenty-first. <laughs> uh, anyways, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, well, we do bring before you uh, the things that have been shared today. We lift up Doug today, and uh, Father, we pray that um, you would just be in the midst of it all. Uh, Father, we pray for a clear diagnosis and no concern. And Father, that you'd be with Doug and Mary and the family at this time, and just give them your peace. Uh, Father, we pray as well uh, for safety for uh, Carla and Mackenzie when they head back home with their flight. And Father, we thank you that they are able to come out and have a visit. Father, we do lift up uh, Wilson and Joan at this time and pray that you'll uh, get everything set up and the scheduled and appointment and Wilson will get the help that he needs and that you would just keep your healing hand upon him in the meantime. Father, be with Fred and uh, Teresa at this time and the treatments that Fred is going through all the time and 
uh, the difficulty and the, the soreness of the throat that they knew was coming, but just pray that you'd walk with him in the midst of it and that you would ease that. Father, I do thank you for the sunshine today. I do thank you for the way that it does make us want to dance and, and praise you and Thank you for the beauty that you've surrounded us with and that we get to live in this beautiful part of the world. Father, I thank you for this family of friends that we belong to, this family of faith, and what a blessing that is. Father, we also lift up the other people on our prayer list that we've been praying for, for Les Craig and for the treatments that he's going through and pray for healing for him. For Dorothy Burns and the challenges that she faces each day. Father, for my mother-in-law, Evelyn Kay, and, and the challenges she has with her health, and pray that you would just walk with her through it, and we pray that you would strengthen and heal her. Father, for Serena's Aunt Rochelle uh, and Raymond's sister, pray that you would just be with her and help her bring her healing. Father, for Summer's boss, uh, Tim Topham, uh, who's still not awoken, we pray that you would be with him as and his family is he's now having some other health challenges. Father, for Jonah Wilson's friend, uh, Brenda Marshall, we pray that uh, you'd be with her, that she's now had the arm amputation, and pray that you would just be with her in the midst of that, and her husband Floyd, you'd walk with them. Father, for Shirley Dingman as well, for the challenges she faces. And Father, for the, the little and big things that we've had in the week that's been and the week to come. Father, we lay them at your feet, and we know that you'll help us through them. Father, be in the midst of our service today. Speak to us, we pray, and draw us closer to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Next hymn is number 406, Wonderful Words of Life. Scripture reading this morning is 1 Peter 2, verses 18 to 25. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourself to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, 
but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Thank you so much, Scott. Well, we're going to continue on in our series on making a difference in us. The word in us and us in the world. Because the question that we have is, does it make a difference? Does it make a difference that you read the word of God? And if you say that it's authoritative in your life, does it show up in the way that you live? Does it make a difference in the day-to-day. That's what the world wants to know. That's what will draw people to Jesus Christ, is when they see you and see that you are different than the rest of the world, that will draw them in. Does it make a difference in your life? Does it make a difference in your family? Does it make a difference in the world around you? In other words, does it actually matter that you're a Christian, that you say that you follow Jesus? Does it matter... To us, would it matter to them? And if so, we have these questions of how and when and why and where. Does it make a difference today, is my question, in your humility? Oh, there's a word I don't like. (laughs) Humility, that's just a terrible word for us in our culture, isn't it? Our culture talks about, you know, having pride and strength. But humility... Uh, who wants that? That's for weak people. Or how about this question? Does it make a difference in unjust suffering? Have you ever gone through unjust suffering? I certainly know that I have. I, um, I worked for a guy. Uh, I won't tell you all the details about it, but uh, as to who it was. But it was a long time ago, and he was not a great boss. And that is where I want to focus on a little bit today. You know, when it's, Peter starts out in this passage, maybe it's a little bit confusing to you. He says, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit to your masters. And maybe when you see that, you think, oh, that's kind of shocking. As a matter of fact, um, if I understand correctly, it's Black History Month. And it just shows that how God works, because this was set up a long time ago as to have me speaking on this message. But we need to understand something. What Peter's talking about is different than today. Slavery is wrong. I want to be abundantly clear on that. In all of its forms, slavery is wrong. And unfortunately, in the history of the church, this passage was used to reinforce slavery, was used to keep people in slavery and to justify slavery, but slavery is wrong. It is barbaric. It is horrific. And I believe it's demonic. Because slavery is built on a lie. It's built on a lie that somehow there are some people that are better and worth more than others. And we know that it says in the Bible about Satan that when he speaks He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so, to me, slavery is the work of the devil. And whether we want to recognize it or not, sadly, slavery still continues today. 
there are women and men that are caught up in sexual slavery. There is, maybe we don't see slavery in Canada, but we see it certainly in other parts of the world. We're fairly civilized here, but in other parts of the world, it's not so civilized. Uh, there's places where our produce comes from, and they live as virtual slaves. And slavery is not okay. But what Paul, uh, Peter was talking about this in the, back in this time, this is something different. It's not the slavery that we might think of. It's not the slavery that we stand against. Back in ancient times, it was a different world. We need to remember that, that when Peter was writing this, there was something else that was going on. Back in that time, they had something called indentured slavery. And so sometimes people would build up a debt. You probably can't imagine that, right? None of you have debt, I'm sure. Um, but in ancient times, the way that they would sometimes pay off debt to somebody else is they would become a slave to them for a term. And they would sell themselves into slavery to pay off that debt. In many cases in the ancient world, if somebody was very respected, their slaves were also respected and treated with respect. It was very different. Often, if they were a well-to-do person, their slaves were actually quite well-educated too. And many of them were freed, especially if they were an indentured slave. Once their term or their debt was paid off, they were set free. So how do we take this, this thing that Peter's talking about it and translate it into our culture, into our day today? Well, how about this one? Let's think in terms of employer and employee. Or maybe if you no longer work, you know, the, the leader of an organization and you're a volunteer. Let's translate it that way. I'm going to ask you a simple question here. Have you ever suffered? <laughs> Have you ever suffered? Has anyone here ever not suffered? <laughs> that would be a bigger surprise for me. And how did you respond when you suffered? You know, this is the question, right? If we look at the world around us today, we know that how people respond when it comes to suffering is they complain about it, right? Um, this job that I had, working for this other person, I would complain about him. And he was unbelievable. Um, he was this guy, like... It was a time when Will was a baby, and so inevitably there'd be some mornings where I'd be trying to get out the door, and there'd be a crisis. And so once in a while I was late, but every time I was late, I always stayed late to make up for it. He didn't care. He was just unbelievable. He was unreal. Do we ever complain when we face unjust suffering? Do we rebel, right? Sometimes, you know, if there's something that we don't like, we're like, <laughs> I'm going to get him back, right? That's going to be my plan. I'm going to get him or her back. I'll, I'll rebel. I'll, I'll cause a ruckus. I'll get some other people, too, to come and join me, and we'll have a little insurrection against this person. You know, it feels so good. Or maybe we'll fight. And maybe not fist fight. Maybe you will fist fight. I don't know. Depends on the kind of person you are. But often we will fight with our words, right? We will we'll write a letter. This person is horrible. Don't ever go around them ever again. Or something like that, right? Or we'll, we'll send a letter to the, the editor if we're really feeling ambitious, right? We'll fight that way or we'll fight with our words to them. We'll just say, you are fill in the blank. And then... We fight with our words. Sometimes people will work to rule if they're unhappy, right? All right, I need this job. I'm going to do just what I have to do for the job. And that's it. You know, as soon as that 5 o'clock comes, I'm punching out. And I'm not going to do anything other than exactly what my job description says. That's what I'm going to do. As the Twisted Sister song says, we're not going to take it anymore. Right? We rise up, we fight, we protest, right? If there's a bigger issue, we'll protest, we'll tell others, oh, this is so awful. And our culture today is so focused on having their rights. I, I demand my rights. This is wrong, I'm going to demand my rights, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says. Maybe a question we need to ask ourselves sometimes is, when is it actually suffering? 
actually suffering. Because sometimes, really, it's just annoyance. And other times, maybe it's just really inconvenience. So when these things come up, how should you respond? How should you respond? Does anyone remember these? Little bracelets, and they said WWJD on them, right? And what did that stand for? Oh, you guys are smart. I am so impressed. Right, what would Jesus do? A little reminder on your wrist that said, what would Jesus do? And I know that when I'm feeling like I'm unjustly suffering, I remember what Jesus did. He went in and he flipped the tables and he made a whip and he started kicking butt, right? That's what I want to do. Get my revenge. Jesus did something else. It tells us in John's gospel at the beginning, as he's writing the good news of Jesus Christ to a certain group of people, he reminds us that Jesus, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Right? They were miserable. Look, as a baby, King Herod tried to kill him. Right? The, the king of the Jews, supposedly, the puppet king, right? the leader, and he tried to kill Jesus off. When Jesus began his ministry, the Pharisees, they, they wanted to get rid of him too. Right? They, they had people in his hometown when he came there, and they're like, who does he think he is? We know Jesus. He grew up here. We know his mom and his brothers. He thinks he's the son of God? It wasn't a surprise to Jesus. I mean, way back, hundreds of years before that, Isaiah prophesied about him, and he said, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. This was Jesus' life on this earth. He was faced with arrogance. He was faced with animosity, the hatred of those people. And they treated him with atrocity. What did they do to him? They beat him. They spit on him. They made a crown of thorns, rammed it into his head. They humiliated him. They whipped him. And they hung him on a cross, nailing him there. Jesus faced incredible unjust suffering. Isaiah also said that before even all that happened, when he went to trial, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. That was the prophecy that Isaiah said about him. And here we find it in the Bible. Turn with me to Matthew 26, 59 to 63. As we look at the trial that he had before the high council of the Jews. Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 59. The chief priests and the, and the whole Sanhedrin, try that again, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. They did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. There was a, they didn't really have any evidence. Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. Jesus was sinless. And yet they're trying to drum up something so they can have some false charges to get rid of him. Finally, two came forward and declared, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. He faced all of this anger, this, this unjust attitude towards him, and yet he said nothing. And so then they took him and they brought him before Pilate. Let's flip ahead to the next chapter, Matthew 27, looking at verses 12 to 14. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Pilate was not a nice 
person at all. He was known for being efficient and ruthless. As I have talked about before with the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, he kept peace in a very simple, straightforward manner. If there was a problem, he'd stomp it out. And the Jews knew this. They, they were angry and they took him to Pilate knowing that, that possibly they could just get him to take him and crucify him. Get rid of him and be done with him once and for all. It's kind of incredible, isn't it? Because this is Jesus we're talking about. And Jesus deserved everything good. Right? He's the creator. He is our king he is God in the flesh. He deserved submission and worship and honor from people. That's what he should have got when he came to earth. Jesus deserved everything, and yet Jesus demanded nothing. Right? Jesus could have told them in that moment that I want this or that or demanded it or made it happen, and yet he didn't do any of that. He could have demanded his heavenly rights, but he did not do that. Flip with me to Philippians 2 as we take a look at what Paul said about him. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start actually at verse 5, not verse 1. I'm going to jump down a little bit. Philippians 2, starting at verse 5. Your attitude should be the same, the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And the Romans, they were excellent at torture. They figured out how they could torture somebody to the most extreme ways possible. They, they would whip somebody 39 times because they knew that if they whipped them 40 on average, it would kill them. But 39, yeah, there's a chance they'll live through it. And they developed something called the cross. And the cross was not just the most painful, horrific way to die because you would hang there until you suffocated. But it was also sending a message to everybody else. Don't wind up like that. Don't get out of line or you'll be next. And yet Jesus, the very Son of God, who could have demanded his rights, he went to the cross and he suffered and bled and died there out of obedience to his Father. He went there in humility. And he did that for you and for me. What about you? What if you suffer? You know, what if, what if you have something that is unjustly done to you? How should you respond? Should you complain about it? Should you rebel? Rise up. Gather your friends. Cause an insurrection. Should you fight for your rights? Should you work to rule? Well, nobody treats me that way. And so therefore, I will only do what I have to. Huh. Will you fight the power? Will you protest and get people to support you? Come on, help me out. You're my friends. Let's all protest together. Will you be like the world around you that says, I demand my rights? Pause for a second. We do live in a different world than Peter lived in at that time. And there are times when we need to stand up for ourselves and for others. There are also times when we need to put up with what we're taking. To remember the example of Jesus Christ and what he did. 
Because the question is, does Jesus make a difference? Does following him make a difference? Does his word and his example make a difference in your life? In how you are different? Are you different than the world around you? Are you willing to be like Christ? Unless you forget, Jesus had power. Jesus had incredible power. He's God in the flesh. At one point when he was arrested, he reminded them, he said, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? I mean, I've read the Bible. I can, I've seen what one angel can do. I can't imagine what 12 legions of angels could do. Let's just say that they could kick a lot of butt, right? Um, and yet Jesus held back in humility. Also remember, Jesus is God in the flesh. And God at one point looked at the earth and how wicked it had become, and he decided, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And he caused a global flood that destroyed all life that wandered on the earth. He could have done that. Or how about the time where there was that, those wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he decided to rain down burning sulfur on them and destroy those cities. Jesus could have done that. And he had every right to do that. Maybe that's why James and John at one point, when they got rejected, turned away from one town, he, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? I get that, right? My first reaction, too, is, hey, let's flip the tables. Let's create a whip, right? Let's, let's straighten these guys out. But is that what Jesus wants? Is that what Jesus did? What would Jesus do? It's an important reminder for us. As Peter reminds us in this section that Scott read for us, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You know, one day we're all going to face judgment. And all of those wrongs that have been done will be set right. Jesus went to the cross when it wasn't his fault. He didn't do anything wrong. He did that for God, and he did that for us. But here's the crazy thing. You don't have to defend yourself, right? You don't have to demand your rights. That's how we stand out and be different. One more passage I want to look at is Colossians 3, 22 to 24. And this helps us in a little shift of perspective. As Paul wrote, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you, and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And we could take that and say, Employees, obey your bosses in everything. Or maybe volunteers, obey your leader, your organizational head in everything, not for them, but out of reverence for the Lord. Let's go on. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. We might think that we work for this boss or that we have worked for them or that we're in uh, this subservient situation in a volunteer capacity, and we're underneath that boss, but really, it's for Jesus Christ that we live and die and move and breathe and have our being. What would Jesus do is a good question. And to keep us from immediately going to flipping tables and burning down places and causing global floods... Remember as well, what did Jesus say? 
as Jesus gave us some instructions. He said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You know, if you're treated poorly because you're a Christian, in other words, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. That's an encouragement. Great is your reward in heaven. Hang in there. This is actually a blessing in disguise because you will be rewarded. Justice will come. And Jesus also said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Why? Because it's easy? No. Because it's fun? No. But because it makes a difference. Everybody else would hate their enemies. They would hate those who hate them. They would curse those who curse them. They would mistreat those who mistreat them. But Jesus calls us to something different. Because when they see something different in us, that shows them Jesus. And it opens a door for them to maybe follow Jesus too. Jesus called us also to every day pick up our cross and follow him each day. And he didn't just say that blithely. He went and showed us exactly what that looks like when he carried our cross. Jesus makes a difference. Jesus should make a difference in your life and in my life. They make a difference in our attitude towards humility. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that although this is not easy, that you are with us in the midst of it. We are not just called to muster this up under our own strength, but it is your spirit dwelling in us that changes us and makes us like Jesus, that gives us the ability to love those who hate us, to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who mistreat us. And so pour more of your spirit into us, we pray, because we need him to transform us into the likeness of Christ, that others may see a difference in us and that we, make a, and that we may make a difference in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. As we prepare for communion, we're going to be singing the song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. Number 496, we're going to sing the two, first two verses as we prepare. Let us sing together. Please stand.
please be seated. Jesus faced all sorts of unjust suffering, but he did it for you and for me. And so we remember on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was gathered together with his closest friends in an upper room, and they were sharing the Passover meal together. And Jesus took those elements and gave them new meaning. That which was bread and wine, he pointed to as symbols of his body and his blood. And so today we remember the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And this table is open to all who profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so we remember on that night that Jesus, after giving thanks, he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Let us remember in a time of prayer the body of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ has been given for you and for me. Take and eat in remembrance of him. The same way after supper, he took the cup the cup of redemption, he said, this cup represents a new covenant in my blood. The old covenant was kept through the shedding of the blood of animals, but this would be kept through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, the perfect Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Let us remember the shed blood of Jesus Christ in a time of prayer.
blood of Jesus Christ is shed for you and for me. Let us drink in remembrance of him. The scriptures remind us that they sang a hymn and went out. So let us stand and sing the final verse of our communion hymn. Please stand. you've ever faced unjust suffering, know that you certainly any of us will ever go through. And yet he did it with humility. So may that be the example that we follow, that we go through this life with this same humility. For one day we will see him face to face and receive the rewards. So go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.